Thank you, Stephen. Let me add my welcome to uh, Stephen's. My name's Andy. For those of you that don't know me, uh, I am the uh, church planter based in Charleston here in Dundee. Um, And if you have a Bible, please could you turn back to the first reading we had, Luke chapter 2. And we're just finishing up this morning a wee series that we've been doing uh, these past three weeks, looking at songs that were sung around the birth of Jesus. We're looking at the the first ever Christmas carols, and they are all recorded for us in this gospel, the gospel of Luke. And we've been saying that the in the first two chapters of Luke's gospel, as he records for us the events surrounding the birth of Jesus, um, one of kind of Luke's key aims in writing his gospel is to give us certainty. And what he wants us to be certain of in these first two chapters is that the birth of Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises that God had made to Israel. The birth of Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises that God had made to Israel. That is why there is so much singing and joy in these first two chapters. It's very musical, uh, the opening Uh, two chapters of Luke. Thousands of years of promises, promises of um, salvation, promises that at times it seemed would never come to fruition. Thousands of years of promises, of blessings for the entire world. All of that is about to be realized in the birth of this child Jesus. And because that's true, because that happened, Because God did exactly as he said he would do, it means that we too have great reason to sing this Christmas. No matter how difficult this time of year is, uh, as it is for many people, there is still a reason to sing the greatness of who Jesus is and the greatness of what Jesus achieved gives us that reason. And we've seen it in in the songs that we've looked at so far. So if you were here, you may remember two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the song that Mary sang when she was pregnant with Jesus, the Magnificat. Then last week, we looked at the song of the angels that they sang at the birth of Jesus. Uh, And today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a song by an elderly priest in the temple of Jerusalem, uh, a guy by the name of Simeon. We're going to look at his song. And again, it's a very moving, passionate song filled with the the kind of same sense of, of relief and joy that at last God's promises are coming to fruition. Simeon is an old man. He is a godly man who has been waiting his entire life for this moment. I don't know when Uh, When was the last time you were waiting eagerly for something to happen? Um, I could mention, again, a certain football team's 114-year wait to lift the Scottish Cup. There was a lot of singing that day. Uh, Maybe Christmas is something you've been waiting for. Maybe it's something that you've been dreading. You know, the story I I was telling the the kids there about that boys' football team that got trapped in that cave in Thailand, trapped there for 17 days. It must have been absolutely horrible, waiting in the darkness, waiting for someone to come and rescue them. Or, or, or like those um, miners, you remember that, those miners that got trapped in Chile, all that time waiting in the darkness. Think about the feeling when they saw that first diver 
or the feeling when the rocks above those miners started to clear and that shaft of light came through. That feeling of the waiting being over, of the rescue arriving. That is the feeling of Simeon in Luke chapter 2 as he holds the baby Jesus in his arms. The waiting's over. Here's what we know about Simeon. Have a look at um, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Here's what we know about him. He is a righteous and devout man. He was waiting, Luke tells us, for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon is a waiting man. He's waiting for something very specific, uh, what Luke calls the, the consolation of Israel. That's what Simeon is waiting for. Um, it's a strange way of uh, phrasing it. Uh, to be honest, I had to dig out the dictionary to find out what consolation actually meant. Uh, it means comfort, for those of you that don't know. Simeon's waiting for the comfort of Israel. Now, that is a, a kind of strange phrase. He's waiting for the comfort of Israel. Why does he speak like that? Well, as we'll see when we study his song, Simeon's actually just borrowing a phrase from the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. In fact, there's loads in this passage that is linked with the book of Isaiah. So what's Simeon doing? As he is waiting, Simeon is, is studying the promises of God. He's studying the Bible, studying night and day, I'm sure of it. And as he reads the prophet Isaiah, he sees that there is this, this, this great promise from God that God is going to restore Israel. And the way Isaiah phrases Israel's restoration is to speak about the language of comfort. Comfort is what he is going to give. So in the, the reading that we just had that Craig read to us, Isaiah 49 verse 13, shout for joy you heavens, rejoice you earth, burst into song you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. And time and time again, Isaiah uses this language of comfort. But Isaiah also speaks about the fact that, that this comfort that is coming for Israel is going to go global. This is not just for them. This is going to go out to the very ends of the earth. The world that we are in is in darkness and rebellion against God. We are alienated from him because we are all sinners. And yet God has promised comfort. He has promised comfort to all his people instead of judgment. And when you read the latter chapters of Isaiah, you see that this is all tied in to this one solitary figure who is known simply as the servant of God. A servant who, who strangely enough, also appears to be the king, or as Luke phrases it here, the Christ. And so Simeon is waiting for the Christ. He is waiting knowing that, that when the Christ comes, comfort will be brought to this nation and beyond. For hundreds of years, Israel had been waiting. And then when Mary and Joseph turn up that day at the temple with the baby Jesus, Simeon, he, 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 as far as we're aware, doesn't say anything. He goes, he takes the baby in his arms and he sings a song. Because at last, this is it. 
And there's two simple points to this song that I just want us to explore. Two points about who Jesus is and why it caused Simeon to sing this uh, wonderful short carol. Firstly, Jesus is God's rescuer that was promised. Secondly, Jesus is God's revelation for the world. Firstly then, Jesus is God's rescuer that was promised. And look at how the song begins, verse 29. Sovereign Lord, says Simeon, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And so uh, the first line of this song that Simeon sings is a prayer to God in which he says, God, I am ready now to die. He is ready to go peacefully because he has at last seen God's salvation. The rescue has come. The rescue that was steeped in thousands of years of promise given to the Jewish people has come at last. And he is in Simeon's arms as a baby. It's a very moving scene. It's an incredible scene when you actually think about it. God's eternal king. The great I am. Some of the the great truths that we heard in that song of Mary, did you know? Just that kind of juxtaposition that he is this great eternal God and yet here he is as this frail baby. He is the God who created every strand of DNA in Simeon's body and he is the one that Simeon holds in his arms. And Simeon can't believe it. it. It not only shows the astounding humility of God, but it shows the, the real personal nature of his salvation. And Simeon's life was worthwhile because he got to see God's promises fulfilled. God has come to rescue him. He's my salvation. And it's a rescue not from some oppressive power or from some form of uh, disease or illness or, or suffering. It's a rescue that is ultimately from sin. That is why Jesus came, to rescue us from the anger of God against all the wrong that we have done in life. So Simeon, as we know, is a guy who, who, who knows his Bible. He, he studied the Old Testament. And what you see in, as you study the Old Testament is all throughout Israel's history, they had these great promises of God, and yet they constantly rejected God, constantly rebelled against God, because they were sinners like all of us. And God had to punish them for their sin. So the conundrum he faced is, is how can he still be with his people? How can he still keep these promises and yet punish them for their sins? How can he give us comfort when our sins mean that we deserve condemnation? And that's the conundrum that Jesus the Christ has come to solve. It's what he solves for us, not in his birth, but through his death on the cross, through his substitution as he dies in our place, as he suffers the punishment that we deserve so that we don't have to, as he is afflicted so we can have comfort. I said last week, you know, imagine that, that God's, judgment for all the wrong that we have done is kind of building up in the horizon of our lives like this great tsunami, this, this dreadful thing that's awaiting us. And there's nothing that we can do to stop it. But in steps the Messiah. And the tidal wave of God's judgment falls on him so that we can have peace. 
Isaiah, when he speaks of the comfort Israel would receive, um, talks about it being the comfort of the forgiveness of sins. So Isaiah 40 says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. Forgiveness, restoration. That is what the baby in Simeon's arm will bring. And he knows it. Here is forgiveness. Here is life. Here is our chance to be restored back to God. Here is salvation. Here is the one who will bring comfort to sinners who deserve nothing but judgment. And so if you want to understand the greatness of Christmas, if you want to understand what Christmas really is about, you need to see it first and foremost as a rescue mission. From God to us. It's the greatest act of love and grace that the world has ever seen. And that is why Simeon sings. That's why Simeon's life has, has value. This is what he needed for contentment and purpose. You you don't need money. You don't need the best job. You don't need the perfect family. What you need more than anything else is to see God's salvation. You know, it's that time of year where, I don't know if they're still doing these in Waterstones, but they bring out these books called uh, A Thousand and One Things to Do Before You Die. And it's all like just crazy stuff you can only do if you're really minted and you've got a lot of money. If Simeon wrote that book, it would be really short. He would say there's only one thing you need to do before you die. Accept Jesus as your savior. Take him in your arms. And then you'll see that you don't need a thousand other things. You just need him. Only he can give the peace that our restless souls are longing for. And it's such a great peace that you can have it even in the face of death. That's why Simeon not only feels that his life is complete, but Simeon is no longer afraid to die. Death is what makes everything in life pointless. What's the point in all that you've done when it's all going to fade out and be forgotten, if death is all there is? But this peace is greater than that because it's eternal. It's the peace and comfort of knowing that God is not and will never be angry with me. God loves me. God has bought me with a price. I will be with him. I know what's going to happen when I die. It's like if my life was a book. I've looked at the last pages. God has shown me the ending. I don't know what's going to happen in between. But I know the ending. That brings peace to know the ending. And I know it's certain because it's nothing to do with me. It's all to do with Jesus. He is my salvation. As the song says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. And so that's the first thing that Simeon's song tells us. Jesus is God's rescuer that was promised. The second thing we see in his song is that Jesus is God's revelation for the world. It's not just a a personal song about um, what God has done for us. It's about what God's going to do for the whole world. So get Simeon excited. Look at verse 31. This salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. 
Jesus is not just personal, he's global. He doesn't just rescue, he reveals. And Simeon calls Jesus the light of revelation to the Gentiles. The Messiah's arrival is good news, not just for Israel, it's good news for the whole world. And again, Simeon hasn't just kind of plucked this uh, metaphor out of thin air. This is what's been coming from his morning Bible readings through Isaiah. Isaiah 49, verse 6, that we had read to us. This is what God says to his servant Messiah. This is what he says he will do. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. So it's too small for you just to focus on Israel, my servant. And he goes on to say, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation will reach the ends of the earth. And Simeon knows that's what's in his arms. God's light has come to shine in every dark corner of the earth that he has made. And Israel will have glory because this salvation will come from them, but it will not stop at them. It will come from them and it will spread out to the nations. See, the Bible's analysis of this world is, as I was saying to the kids, is that we are in darkness. And darkness conveys the idea that that we are alienated from God, that we are rebels against God. It conveys lostness. It conveys confusion. It conveys ignorance. We don't know where we are going, what our purpose is, what God is like. It's darkness. But Christmas is the time in history when God broke in like a beam of light, like the torch of those divers that came to rescue those boys in the cave, like that shaft of life that broke through the rocks with those miners trapped in the mine in Chile. A light of revelation. And Simeon knows that it will go out to the very ends of the earth. This is exactly what happened. You see, isn't it wonderful that Simeon got to see uh, God's promise fulfilled? What, What a great privilege he had. What a great privilege we have, because we've seen it fulfilled. The Messiah did come, we know it, and we've seen his good news has gone out to the ends of the earth. It's spreading still to all the nations. And if you don't believe me, Well, just look around. We're not in Israel. Here we are in Scotland 2,000 years later, thousands of miles away. We're worshiping this king. Because the promise is God's promise. And because it's God's promise, it will work. In fact, verse 31 is kind of a good little summary description of Luke's second book, Luke part two, which is also known as the book of Acts, about how the good news of Jesus' salvation spread throughout the world. It will work. Do you know, at the um, end of the 1700s, there was one country in the world that every Christian would have thought, there's no way they'll become Christians. Right? One country in the world, everyone would have thought, there's no way they would become Christians. Here we've got the promise that the light will go out to all the nations. And that country was China. And in 1807, a man by the name of Robert Morrison uh, went to China to tell them about Jesus. He was an English Presbyterian, which is a bit weird, from Morpeth, actually, like Craig. Um, 
And he worked in China for years. After seven years, baptized the first Chinese convert, a man named, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, apologies, Chai Gao. Um, and along with others, they worked on translating the Bible uh, into Mandarin. And then in the 19th century, the church in China started to grow. And by the time of the communist revolution, there were around 900,000 Protestant churches. Then it looked like it was about to die. The communists clamped down on it. They wanted to kill it out completely. The church was persecuted brutally. And in 1953, all Protestant missionaries were banned from the country of China. Do you know what happened? The church grew at an unbelievable rate. Today, there are 111 million Christians in China. It is projected that by 2050, there will be around 218 million Christians. On average, 10,000 people a day are being converted to Jesus in China. The gospel writer John says this, the light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It will go out to the nations. And so the reality of Christmas gives us peace like nothing else because our Savior has come, but it also motivates us to mission. Here's the Savior of all people. Let me encourage you to make the most of this time of year. Invite people to church. Sit down and read the Bible with them. It's amazing how many people are actually up for that. Um, Tell them, this is the rescuer we need. This is the revelation from God. Don't just tell others. Pray for them. Pray for the nations. It's global, the church of Jesus. You can pray for us in Charleston. We've got a carol service tomorrow night for guys in the scheme. Pray for that. But we need to realize something about the light. A lot of people don't like it. Why? Because light reveals stuff that we would rather remain hidden. And Simeon knows, Simeon knows that Jesus is going to be a hugely divisive figure. Jesus is going to be the divisive figure. Look at what he goes on to say after his song. Verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. You know, if you think that Jesus is just some nice guy, if you think Jesus is just some good teacher, you probably don't know Jesus. You don't have a clue about Jesus. If you read the Bible, if you read the Gospels, you'll find you'll either hate him or you'll love him. He's crucified or he's worshipped. He splits people. There was a group of uh, old school preachers called the Puritans, and they had a a famous saying where they said that the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. Jesus will either melt your heart or he'll harden it. Because the light reveals truth. And sometimes the truth about us is not so nice because it's the truth, as Simeon says, that reveals the thoughts of our hearts. And when Jesus exposes our hearts, you realize that you're not as good a person as you thought you were. 
because he shows us the truth that we are sinners, that we have been in darkness, that we have been in rebellion. We can put up our Facebook profiles and present the version of us that we want the world to see, but Jesus, the light, is not fooled. He sees into the darkest recesses of our heart. So if you are here today, and this is your first time in church, or first time in St. Peter's, um, make no mistake, the Christians who are here are not people who have their lives sorted. We're people who know that we don't, We know that our hearts are wicked and we know that we need a rescuer and we're here to learn about him and to worship him because he shows us not only the truth about ourselves but the light shows us the truth about our God who is a great savior overflowing with grace and love. This is the only light. This is the only rescue for the world. There is nothing else outside of Jesus that will save and he will divide In fact, every human being will be judged on the response to the baby that Simeon holds in his arms. He will cause the rising and the falling of many. Trust him and you will be with God forever. Reject him and you will be rejected by God forever. Simeon knows that the Savior is both loved and hated. And he He reminds Mary as well of this in a very personal way. He says, a sword is going to pierce your own soul too. Little did Mary know that the son, whom she also called her savior, we saw earlier in Luke's gospel, would be the victim of the most brutal, barbaric evil that humanity had to offer. A sword would pierce her own heart as she watched them crucify him. And yet Jesus used that hostility to bring the peace and the comfort that God had promised. Because nothing can stop his salvation. Nothing will stop the light going out to the nations. And it's a reason for us to take heart this Christmas if we are struggling as a Christian. It's a reason to sing. Because God does what he says. Like in all these songs, that seems to be one of the big things. God does what he says. God's Savior has come, just as he said. God's salvation will go out to the ends of the earth, just as he said. And we who come to Jesus are the recipients of eternal comfort and peace. No greater gift can ever be given to you than that. Let me pray. Father, thank you that as Simeon held the Lord Jesus in his arms and as he sang those words reflecting the great truths that you spoke through Isaiah long ago, thank you, Lord, that he shows us that Jesus is the rescuer you promised and that Jesus is the revelation to the world. Lord, we want to thank you that Jesus the light has come into the world And although much of the world loves darkness rather than light, the darkness has not overcome the light. And the gospel will go out to the nations because there is only one Savior. And yet he is a Savior who wants to be known. He is a Savior who has made himself known. He is a Savior 
who in astounding humility and grace gave up everything so that we who deserve nothing could have everything. Thank you that Jesus gives us comfort. We should be condemned, but we are comforted. Comforted in the fact that all our sin has been dealt with. Comforted in the fact that we know God, you love us. We know God, you are with us. Comforted in the fact that Jesus, when you get us, you will not let us go. And so we hold on to the great comfort of your salvation. And we thank you that we have seen how that salvation has been fulfilled through the Messiah. In whose name we pray. Amen. Well, let's uh, close by singing um, a great Christmas carol that uh, reflects very much the idea of uh, waiting and fulfillment. We'll stand and sing together, uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.